Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I am here with yet another high demand coach, and that is the one and only Miss Kimberly Spencer. Uh, Kimberly has been obsessed with stories of women who go from rags to riches, from fear to success, and vice versa. And she always asks what separates those who cave into their circumstances from those who are able to climb to the top. And uh, I hope that uh, we, we get to share this. I don't know how we're going to fit it all in in such a short period of time, but Kimberly, has just an, such an amazing story uh, about how she got to where she is and how she's helped so many people. So Kimberly, I'd love to, before we talk about what you do or, or some of the advice that you'd love to share with the audience, I'd love to just uh, take a step back and talk about your story. You know, What were you doing before coaching and how did that ultimately lead to uh, helping others? Yeah. So I've been career hopping for a while. Um, I started out as a screenwriter in Hollywood, straight out of high school. Um, I actually dropped out of college two weeks before I was supposed to start with two, uh, two, uh, not sponsorships, <laughs> two, uh, that word, that word, um, two, I'm completely blanking on that word of sponsorships, scholarships, uh, scholarships. There, there we Thank you. It there. It's the COVID brain. scholarships yes and i went straight into uh into hollywood and i was pimping at a whole bunch of agencies doing post-production work script writing um and i went straight into that field and that industry because it was an industry i'd always wanted to be in i thought that that was like my jam, I thought that that was my forever industry because it was the only industry that I had seen modeled where you could be making the income and the impact that you deserved. Even though I'd seen my parents grow uh, a business from nothing to a multi multi-million dollar a year annual business, I I saw and identified with the struggle because I was I was in the stroller when my mom was pushing me around like passing out flyers. So I remember those times when we were struggling. And when, when we would be told that, you know, oh, we can't go out to dinner because we can't afford it and things like that. So I really was blessed to grow up with this like entrepreneurial hustle inside of me. I mean, I was in my, in my bio, I say that I was, my first venture was selling bags of glitter water at five split testing price points for five cents or $50. So I was always very, I, I had that hustler mindset, started out in screenwriting, I needed a bridge job to support myself. I found Pilates at the same time. And within a year, I'd grown to be the most fully booked, highest paid, youngest instructor at the studio I was freelancing at. Wow. And it was interesting because at the time, I found Pilates through struggle. I found it through, it was the one form of exercise that I found 
really allowed me to connect with my body after being bulimic for 10 years. And when I found it, I started teaching it because I just knew I had to share it with the world. So Pilates was really my first business as I was putting at connecting and getting connected in Hollywood. I got ended up getting my first uh, feature film written, produced. I, I wrote it with the director and it changed three lives. And when people see it, they're like, really? That film? Like it's about motocross and, and there's a lot of drugs and a lot of sex and people are like, that's that a, did you really, you wrote that? And B, like it really saved three lives. And I said, yes, because the story is one that we can all identify with. The story is a story of a young kid who wants to fit in with the cool crowd. We've all had that experience. It's a human story. And in screenwriting, one of the things you learn is there's really only about seven basic human stories. And if you divert from those seven stories, the film doesn't succeed. Like there's a reason why the films that flop completely flop. And it's probably because in some way they've tried to divert from the model that's made these stories so successful that humans naturally resonate with. Mm. And so simultaneously, the the film premiered. I'm at the film fest. Uh, I'm at the premiere, red carpet and everything. And I'm like, I'm only ninety percent fulfilled. And this was like lifelong dream at twenty three. Wow. Wow. And simultaneously, I was coaching and teaching Pilates. And over the course of the four years that my film was in post uh, production and post production and all that process, um, I worked with hundreds of people's bodies, and I started to see this pattern that it wasn't whether somebody ate something or like that was crap food or whether they were like really super healthy, whether they exercise twice a day, every day, or they exercise like twice a week. What mattered when I saw results was their mindset of how they thought about it. Mm. And so it got me really interested in the mindset. I got, uh, because of my Pilates background, I got an opportunity to come on as a consultant for a startup jumped on that opportunity. I've always been very audacious when like a career opportunity presents itself. And I saw the product. I said, I don't want to just be a a consultant. I want to be a partner. I came on as president of that company, took that product to market for two years, got it featured in the big New York Times Square billboards and in national magazines and pitched it to the first round of Shark Tank auditions. And then my business partner said he wanted to buy me out. And I was crushed. I was devastated. And I ended up signing the buyout agreement three weeks before I got married, ran off on my honeymoon. And I was like, I don't know what to do when I get back. <laughs> like, I have no job. <laughs> and I, and I'm also like certifiably unemployable. I, I am on an entrepreneur at heart and my husband and I were brainstorming like you do on your honeymoon. And I was like, well, I love help. I love storytelling. I love writing. I love filming. I love all of these aspects but like everything didn't fully fulfill me. And I leaped off the couch probably after way too many Italian espressos. And I said, crown yourself. And my husband's like, what's that? I said, I don't know, but that's the name of my company. And I had to figure it out. I I didn't have the wherewithal and the knowledge to start working with a coach early on in my business to get me the clarity. So for a year and a half in my business, um, I've been coaching for six years, but for that first year and a half, um, I made a hundred bucks. Like that's it. And it was because I was doing what I see my clients do, which is called productive procrastination, where they're doing all the things except for the one thing that really moves the needle. And there's really only a few things that actually move the needle when it comes to business. And then I found out I was pregnant and I realized that the person that I'd become doing all the productive procrastination 
was exactly the person that I had overcome before, but in a different form. I'd overcome her in uh, my battle with bulimia. I mm. totally transformed my my relationship with my body with no psychological or medical intervention. I knew it was a mindset piece when it came to my business. I, I call it business bulimia or financial bulimia, um, where you receive money in and then suddenly it just all goes out to bills. Um, and that that was the process that and the cycle that I was stuck in. And I knew I had a nine month deadline to sort this out because I had a child on the way. And that was when I got certified in NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis. I started racking up certifications. I'm going on certification number 13 in somatic attachment therapy over the course of seven years. Um, and I've just been transforming lives ever since. And it's it's been an wow. amazing journey. Wow. Wow. So many uh, different themes to run on. But one of the ones that uh, came up is just your use of the word struggle again and again and again. Right. And and uh, you're going back to this idea of story plots. There is no story if there is no struggle. But in the same time, if the story ends in struggle, that's not a great story either. Right. And so uh, tell us a little bit uh, what your opinion is like. What is the role of struggle? And let's focus on business for a second. Maybe we'll, we'll chase a bunny trail here in a second. But um, what's the role of struggle in creating success in business? I love that question, Scott. I think that most people have a, uh, we have a, re everything is relational. Right. And we have a relationship with struggle and with challenges. And our society has not really like over the, over the past few hundred years, not really embraced this idea of initiations. And I personally feel that and have seen consistently that when you set a goal, suddenly struggle challenge, basically the universe is like, you really want this? Like, I'm not testing you, but like, just making sure like you have to go through an initiation to become the person who's able to have, be, do all the things that you want to be, do, and have. And those responsibilities, that power of, of, you know, whether it's increased wealth, increased support with your having a larger team, it comes with great responsibility. And you have to be able to respond in the moment. So those initiations, the challenges, the struggles, those are those are my, little mini initiations to allow you to transform your thinking, your perspective, and embrace a new way of, of figuring out how to solve this because it's an opportunity for you to grow. Yeah. In your uh, TEDx talk, I got a chance to watch um, before we were on. And one of the things you talk about is how you didn't respect the the princesses who lose a shoe. And uh, you yeah. know, and so uh, it, it made me think of, you know, like there's a Disneying of you know, American life in general, but very much so recently, there's been a Disneying of entrepreneurism, right? It's it's this kind of up and to the right, sipping lattes on the beach, you know, whatever Working it may from be. from your pajamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... And, and I think, you know, one, that's just patently false, but two, I think what it's done is it makes it feel like if there's a struggle, it's wrong, right? Uh, and and I think a lot of people kind of reach a false finish line. They they give up early because it's like, well, if I'm struggling, then it's wrong. So uh, what would you say to someone who's in that mode of like, hey, this is a lot harder than I ever thought it would be? What would you say to them? You're in your initiation. Do you really want it? Like. Yeah. Do you want the Disney version of a business, which is what's a lot of people do market to like, 
I mean, I was just uh, having a conversation with a colleague the other day about the marketing for this very large coaching program that was like, do you want to work from your home in your pajamas? And I, I said, genuinely, I think the idea is very tantalizing of this perception that you can work from home in your pajamas and you have to do very little work. And I'm not saying that it has to be hustle 24-7 either. I think that there is a balance in the extremes. And when you can when you're marketed this idea that it's gonna be just easy, laid back, you're gonna face fear. You're gonna face the greatest fear that most people have, which is the fear of rejection. I mean, it's a biological fear that we have. And putting yourself out there as a business owner, you're going to get rejected because the only way that you actually have a business instead of a hobby is when other people's cash meets your products and services. And if you're not focusing on, if you're in the starting phase and you're focusing on anything else, like so many uh, new coaches I see get focused on building their website and having all their funnels be perfect. And I'm like, your funnel will be perfect when your audience has said that it's working, when the data truly proves that your funnel is actually converting people. If if you can have what you think in your mind is going to be the perfect funnel, but when you put it out into the world, if it's not received, that funnel ain't perfect. You're going to be tweaking it. And so everything, I think we have this, need for certainty. I mean, Tony Robbins talks about the six human needs. We have this need for some sort of fixed point uh, that we want to have that like, this is when our business makes it. If if the website's perfect, then this, this will happen. And, and what I've come to find is that we need to treat our businesses like an ever evolving product. It's yeah. changing with the needs of your customers. You're in a co-creative process with how your customer needs to receive their content, how your customer needs to be coached even. Like I was listening to a great podcast, uh, James Wedmore's podcast with uh, the coach who's actually very near to me in Dripping Springs who coaches volleyball, Michael Kane. And he's won like massive amounts of championships. And he said the discipline that he used to coach around 20 years ago is very different than how he coaches discipline. There's still discipline, but there's a little bit more availability for emotions and life experiences and a little bit more compassion infused to discipline, but Mm. you still got to do the work. Yeah, You still got to show up. And there are days that for many entrepreneurs that there's a perception like, oh, it's just not aligned. Like if things aren't working out, then it's just, it's not aligned. And I'm like, no, maybe you need to realign yourself to that future version of you who shows up regardless, whether you had all your ducks in a row, who chooses to show up like for me right now, like where you're literally signing uh, the papers to our new house. And so I like, I don't have a perfect backdrop. I forgot the word scholarships. I'm okay with that because I know that the imperfections also make you human and relatable, which is also a huge piece in marketing. And when you can have the, the, the courage to show up vulnerably, I mean, I had one of my clients who said, Kim, you have typos in your email. And I was like, Sometimes I do. Yeah. I, cause I write fast. I'd rather get the content out imperfectly and have it serve than have it like be everything perfect. Now, of course, I'm always learning, growing, trying to better myself. I don't want to send it out with typos, but sometimes occasionally there's one or two where I misspelled word. That's okay. And she said, I so admire that because every time you send out an email, I get so much value from it. And it also gave her permission 
to respond faster and not have this like weight of, of fear of like, oh my gosh, what if they think that I'm an idiot or that I'm not smart because I forget words or I, you know, misspell something. And for me personally, I've just adopted the belief in my business. Like I'm more than happy like, to have a um, someone correct me and say, oh, you might've misspelled this. And great. What we have actually built into our company as far as a customer service model is that when you have a growth, when you present with us, uh, present us a growth um, opportunity, where we get to grow and learn and develop. We reward, we we give a course to anyone who finds, finds a typo or who, who, because then that means that they're engaged. That means that they're reading it. And that also means that they care enough to, yeah. to choose to send that, that note. Yeah. And, and that to me, to create a, a community that cares, that is instilling the core value that I have at the foundation of my company, which is grow or die. Yeah. And thus they're allowing me to practice that value. And they're also showcasing that value that they care enough to choose to help me grow as I'm also helping them grow. It's collaborative. Yeah. 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 There's just so much uh, wisdom in that. And I think uh, the one thing that I want to kind of pull out is how the struggle doesn't stop and it changes, right? And our comfortability and confidence in it can change dramatically, right? Mm -hmm. And so folks that are in struggle and it's like, it's killing them, that's not what we're talking about, right? Like that that's not a place that you want to stay. Um, but you also don't graduate from it. If you want all your ducks in a mm -hmm. row, don't start a business, right? <laughs> if you, if, no. you know, it's like, uh, and if you want authenticity, right, then, then you know, you just have to take everything that comes with it. And, and I think that's where we all get an opportunity to show up, right? Uh, so I, I love that. I, I think especially for like the solopreneurs who are listening or those who whose tendency is to value perfection over progress, just send out an email with some typos in it, right? Watch what it happens. Like you don't and, have to intentionally put a typo yeah, in, but, but, but I mean, try it, it and yeah, see what happens. But it's like get to where you're moving at the speed where you're you're focusing as much on the value right? As you are on the process where you, you, where you're focusing on the listener, the reader, right? Your audience, as much as you are the words that you're saying or the typos in them. I think that's where we really get to step up and, and create impact and create change. Uh, so well, the, the greatest differentiator that I've seen with all of my clients, as far as their success and the speed of their success at which they want, it's the speed of implementation. It's the speed of, I got an idea, I'm putting the funnel together, it's perfectly imperfect, I'm gonna put it out, gonna put it out there, okay, here's the response back from the audience, okay, we tweak this, we tweak this, we tweak this. It's implementing, it's yes. not having everything perfect. Yes. And so it doesn't mean strive for perfection, but perfection means constantly perfecting. Like yes. you have made a diamond is constantly, like how many cuts have to be cut to create a quote unquote perfect diamond? It's, it's a lot. And sometimes you don't always have it. So it's, it's just being able to make those consistent cuts to that like big dirty rock of yeah. your business and to make it shiny and bright. But it, it comes with that. You got to hold it up to the light. You got to test it. You got to see how the, the, the light refracts in. And so how yes. the same is true with your business. You got to hold it up to the light of your customer's opinions. Yeah. Yes. It's so true. Yeah. Cause we can sit in our our office and think that we know everything you know about what they're looking for but yes until it gets out into the wild you really don't know so uh yeah i love that okay question for you here uh what would you say is the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all 
What would you say is that one thing you wish everybody listening today knew? It really comes down to radical ownership, like that radical ownership to the point where when something goes wrong in your business, when something goes, well, quote unquote wrong, um, or you face a challenge or a struggle, asking yourself, how did I create this? Like that's a, a, that's a challenging question to sit with if you're in the middle of a struggle and you want to blame everybody. Um, but it's also challenging to grow from that space. So asking two questions, how did I create this? Like, what did I think? What was I projecting out into the world? What beliefs do I have that I need to maybe work through? Because your environment is giving you data. It's giving you the information back as to what you're projecting out subconsciously. And so when you see something going off or wrong or a challenge being presented, how is this? Like, what did I do to create this? What was I thinking? What was I believing? What was I feeling? What was I putting out into the world? And how is this the best thing that ever happened to me? Mm. Like, and it's a hard question. I had to ask my, myself that question a lot with um, in 2021, because I lost three family members two family friends, moved countries and had a baby. And in that year, we still grew 36%. And it's because I I fully attribute it to asking that question of like, how is this the best thing that ever happened to me? How did I, how did I create this? And not from a place of self-blame. I want to be very clear about that. It is not self-blame and self-blame is not ownership. Ownership is a place coming from a place of acceptance, coming from a place of looking at what is. And then that acceptance is what allows you to move forward into the marathon of, of creating your business. Yeah. You can't start your business shooting yourself. <laughs> you can't shoulda, coulda, woulda. You're not actually in the race. Yeah. Oh, that is so good. There's there's this question that pops up uh, I found for folks kind of in their entrepreneurial journey. They, uh, they've added a few people. They feel like finally this is going to be wonderful. And what you find is the defining question becomes what's wrong with these people, right? And, and I absolutely love your question of saying, hey, how did I create this? And yeah, if you, if you were listening to anything today, that question, if you just start asking yourself that question, when you bump into those challenges, uh, it, it is going to completely shape the world. And then just to re repeat, um, because it's so important is self-blame is not ownership. Uh, I think for so many people, you know, it can just turn into that in the name of, you know, owning your mistake, but it's not at all. That is so, so, uh, that's so good. Um, ownership is, is flat emotionally and you'll yeah. feel it in your body because your body's the domain of emotions. Like ownership is is flat. It's it's a place of acceptance. Self blame includes shame and guilt, which is a negative, slower emotion. You'll feel it physically in your body, mm. and so you'll know if you're actually in a place of ownership and acceptance because you'll feel emotionally. You won't feel the the shame and guilt, but you also won't feel like the anger, the 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 rage, the, the motivate those motivating emotions either. It's it's more from that place of peace and acceptance. Yeah. That is so good. All right. So I want to shift gears just slightly. Uh, we've talked a lot about, you know, you know how you help uh, entrepreneurs and leaders and uh, how you help them change their story. But uh, I'd love to have you jump in the ring with us, right? Uh, take off your your coach, consultant, advisor hat, put on your CEO hat and talk to us a little bit. What's the next stage of growth look like for you and your business? And what challenge do you think you'll have to overcome to get there? Well, our growth, we just recently launched a second business, which is a podcast marketing agency, um, where we get our clients booked on guest podcast appearances. 
And that just launched literally in November of last year of 2022. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking to scale that to our first thousand customers. And that's, that's the big growth phase while a lot still having the coaching piece be active. Um, but I, our main goal is simplifying because we, we have chosen to slow down a little bit with the coaching in order to speed up in a, in a much bigger way with the agency. Mm. And so both, so I'm taking on less coaching clients, but for a higher price. And I am also working with my team and developing that team. And my next big challenge is actually bringing on a sales team, which I'm very excited about. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Well, thank you for sharing. Now, I know there's some folks listening today and it's just like you know, point after point after point is resonating with them. So how can folks uh, connect with you, find more about uh, what you do and, and your work? Yeah. If you love this conversation and you want to dive deeper, then just head on over to crownyourself.com and hit the button that says work with me. And if you want to get yourself booked on as a guest podcast and use that to leverage your business as I have done for my coaching business, um, we generated over 170,000 in new business revenue just from guest podcasting alone. So if you want to learn how to do that, uh, head on over to communicationqueens.com. Awesome. So crownyourself.com and communicationqueens.com. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for being on the show. It's just an absolute pleasure having you here. It was such a fun conversation and such a deep and rich conversation as well. Uh, for those of you who are listening, I hope you got as much out of this as I did. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.